RVN. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Chad Moyer, filling in for Susan Littlefield. On today's program, uh, we get to visit with Arlen Suderman. He's with Stonex. Arlen, thanks for joining us once again here today. First of all, let's just uh, take a quick check on the market screen here. Uh, kind of a mixed day, uh, backed off a little bit in corn and soybeans. Still a little bit of strength in the wheat, though, today. Kansas City wheat was up a, a few pence, uh, a few cents. Uh, soybeans down about 15, 16 and corn ended the day about a nickel lower, just a little over a nickel lower. First of all, give us kind of your thoughts. Uh, uh, Wednesday, mid uh, middle of the week, what were some of the big things in the market today, Arlen? Well, we saw some big price swings, especially in wheat overall. And when we came in in the morning, we saw that most of the commodities were higher, trading, um, escalating tensions in Russia, which we can talk about. And then as the day session started, we saw a big sell-off in really all of the food and energy commodities for the most part and taking them negative. And that was largely based on fears that the Fed would be more aggressive in its rate hike today or in some type of its commentary and, and plans for future rate hikes. Uh, and that would bring about a greater recession in the United States and the world that would trigger a decrease in demand for commodities so they all came under pressure but then wheat drifted back toward trading the russia ukraine story once again and that allowed it to finish with some gains uh, but the other commodities were really overpowered by the negativity from the broader markets over what the fed's action would be today and and so that was pretty much the dominant story overall all right, well, let's talk about that. Uh, with the Federal Reserve wrapping up their meeting today, it was announced they are going to go ahead with a 75 basis point increase in interest rates. Now, it, I've heard a lot of folks say that that was kind of anticipated, but it seems like the, maybe the long-term target may have moved a little bit, Arlen? And that's really the story today, and that's what I started uh, warning people here a couple of days ago, that I felt like, um, 75 basis point rate hike today was pretty much baked into the market as expectations with another one coming next month. But the market really was probably most vulnerable to what would be shown in the dot plot graphic that the Fed was going to release today. And that's where each of the policymakers put down on the graph where they think interest rates are going to be over the next three to four years, giving the market an idea of what how hawkish they were and uh, the trade has been downplaying that thinking oh they're not going to really have the courage to go that high and the fed continues to do what they said in fact those expectations from the fed have continued to ratchet higher and so we saw that again today with the fed kind of now projecting that by the end of the year, they're going to be up over 4%, somewhere around 4.4%, and they just went up to 3% today. So that means we have some considerable rate hikes in the next two meetings yet to come, and probably somewhere around 46 4.7% next year, probably in the spring or so, before maybe starting to pull their rates down in 2024. That was a much more hawkish view than what the trade was expecting. And so when that was released, we saw a sharp rally in the dollar, uh, taking the value of the dollar to new, four, uh, excuse me, 20-year highs. Uh, and we saw a sharp raise in interest rates and treasury yields as well. 
and a decline in the commodities. Now, Treasury yields saw some profit-taking as the afternoon progressed um, that took things back closer to where they were before the Fed statement was released. But the damage was done to the market, and and uh, now the market has to adjust to these new expectations and fears that that will really slow down the economy. Yeah. Now, maybe we can just take a side note here, a side trip, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, we in agriculture, we know what a bullish market is. We know what a bearish market, what that means. But when you say the Federal Reserve, or the, the Fed is looking at being hawkish, what does the term hawkish mean, Arlen? Yeah, good question. I'm glad you asked that. That means more aggressive in raising interest rates and and monetary tightening. Monetary tightening is where they shrink the balance sheet, and I'll define what that is. That's essentially withdrawing the stimulus that they put into the economy, the trillions and trillions of dollars that they put into the economy during the pandemic. And remember, the monetary policy wasn't the only thing putting stimulus into the economy. We as consumers also got checks from the government. That's fiscal stimulus. And the Federal Reserve doesn't have any control over that. And the, and the fiscal policy is still continuing to stimulate the economy due to do things as con, due to congressional spending uh, to stimulate the economy. And the Fed's having to fight that with monetary policy, making it even more difficult. So that's part of the challenge we face right now. And then the ultimate uh, impact on commodities, it's maybe not a a one-for-one or a direct impact, but like you said, because the value of the dollar is so high, that's where it becomes an impact on ag commodities, right? Yeah, really, particularly those commodities that have a lot of competition overseas. One of them would be wheat. We grow wheat in a lot of different areas of the world. Another would be the protein complex, meaning pork and beef and other meat products when we have to compete with other countries that have cheaper currencies, which makes their product cheaper on the world market. So those are the commodities most affected. Corn and soybeans, where there's fewer suppliers of that in the world, they're less affected by the strong dollar, although it is a factor. All right, very good. Uh, so that kind of brings us to the uh, conclusion of the first segment of the Fontenelle Final Bell. Again, visiting with Arlen Suderman from Stonex. We're going to come back with our second half of the program. We're going to talk about the Black Sea region, what's going on there. We're going to talk about what's happening in Brazil as they are starting their planting season here, and a lot more coming your, your way as well. So stay tuned. Second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell is coming up next here on the Rural Radio Network. It's time for the Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish with Fontenelle Hybrids. We caught up with new dealer Preston Smith from PJ Smith Seeds, who co-owns his business with his wife, Jana, in northeastern Phelps County. So, Preston, tell us about how you got started. We got started with Fontenelle in part for the excellent products that we saw out in the field, but also because of the great people within the brand. Everyone is so supportive and will do anything to help you succeed as a dealer which in the end helps the customer succeed. Well, you did a lot of research. Tell us how you decided on Fontenelle. I really like the focus on Nebraska and, and products that work locally. As I started to make contact, I just really felt at home with everybody that I met within the brand. And I know you hear the, the Fontenelle family get used a lot, but that's really what it is. It, it truly does feel like a family. If you'd like to join our Fontenelle family and become a dealer, just contact us from the website at Fontenelle.com. Dot com. 880-KRVN, 106.9 Kearney, and 98.5 Grand Island. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Chad Moyer, once again with Arlen Suderman from Stonex. Um, Arlen, we spent the first half talking about the uh, interest rates. And uh, again, maybe anticipated announcement today. Longer term, things look a little bit different. But that was only one of the storylines that were taking place in the uh, markets today. You made mention uh, at the beginning that the, the Black Sea region, again, is uh, showing some headlines and uh, maybe a potential escalation of some of the things going on over there. Arlen, what were kind of the storylines there? Yeah, things haven't gone too well for Vladimir Putin of Russia over the last 30 days in Ukraine, as Ukraine's been retaking territory that Russia had previously taken. And so over the last 24 to 36 hours, Putin has done a lot of things to indicate to the world that things are going to be escalating. Uh, first of all, he announced that he was going to be holding referendums in four regions of Ukraine where he currently has troops occupying that territory. And there's fighting going on right now in all four of those regions, and they don't control 100% of any of those regions to this point. And so the expectation is, and that referendum is going to take place this week, and the general expectation is, regardless of how people vote, that Vladimir Putin's going to declare that those regions want to annex to Russia. And so they'll annex them to Russia, and therefore Ukraine isn't going to stop fighting to retake that territory and with the help of NATO. And so therefore Putin is going to tell his people at home, see, they're trying to attack Russia because they're trying to retake, in reality, retake territory Russia took from them. But the message is going to be they're trying to attack Russia. And so he has also then conscripted 300,000 soldiers, bringing them back from the reserves into service to help this fighting effort. To this point, it's largely been a volunteer army. He's pulling officers out of retirement to help and, and really stepping up the ante so far in the war, also making statements that we will use whatever weapons or resources excuse me, are necessary to defend Russia from attack from the West, including nuclear weapons. And so they're really going all out, up in the ante here, what they intend to do. We expect a big escalation of fighting in the region, Russia to probably further isolate itself from the West, which means further restrictions on trade, further shutting down of commodities moving out of that region, And that should, if it happens, tighten up supplies of grain and oil seeds and fertilizer and energy coming out of the region. That's something the market traded overnight. That's more of a longer-term story as we head into winter. We anticipate it's going to be a long winter in the northern hemisphere for regions to varying degrees, depending on whether you're in the Black Sea region, you're in Europe, or in other regions affected by these actions. Now, I would imagine, you know, like you say, grain coming out of there is one thing, but are, are people even starting to think about the next growing season, what things might look like next year as um, Ukrainian farmers try and put in a crop next year? Yeah, Ukrainian farmers have about 10 or 12 percent of their winter crops planted at this point. Uh, keep in mind that two years ago, they grew about 33 million metric tons of wheat. This year, according to Ukraine authorities, it, it fell to 19.2 million metric tons, and they say next year it'll probably fall to 16 or 18 million metric tons because they're planning some smaller area plus financing and uh, accumulating the inputs needed to grow the crop are becoming more difficult to, 
to get and so it's just becoming harder to farm in that country in that territory we're also seeing russian farmers also having more and more difficulties because of sanctions to get parts for equipment they're fighting low prices domestically for the, what they produce for the wheat and stuff and looking at reducing the amount of wheat and crops that they grow for the next year as well so that whole breadbasket area of the world is looking to see smaller production in 2023 yeah. And as long as we're talking about production, what are you hearing about South America? I mean, is there a, a chance that uh, Brazil, Argentina, uh, you know, some of those countries might be able to add to the world balance sheet uh, as they go into planting this year? No, we're looking at the third year of La Nina. And for Argentina, that means probably another year of reduced production. We just don't know to what extent. In Brazil, the correlation is much weaker. Some years we get reduced production, like we have the last two years. And some years we get normal production or even above normal production. And so what is it going to be like this year? So far, the growing season has started now. They started planting around the 15th of September, and uh, the rains are starting. The wet season is starting, meaning that they can plant and, and they can anticipate good crops so far. Now, it may turn dry again, but for the time being, it looks like a normal growing season, which means they could end up producing over a billion bushels more this year than last year. All right, good to have you on the program. Arlen Suderman with Stonex, our guest on today's program. Do remember that trading of commodity futures does involve substantial risk of loss, might not be suitable for all investors. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. It's brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and your local Fontenelle dealers. Here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting.